Folks, it's that time again, 1 p.m. on Saturday. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, here with my trusty sidekick, John Schneider, Robin to my Batman, and our fabulous producer, dazzling Daryl Grandy, the man that makes all the magic happen, that gets what we're saying out to you so that you folks can learn what's happening here in Allegheny County with the Republican Committee of Allegheny County and politics in general. So sit back and get ready. We're going to have a great show. Got a couple good guests, great guests today, and I want to introduce them right now because let's kick this thing off and get it started. First, we have Doug Jones. Doug Jones is the owner of GetElected.org. I'll let Doug tell you a little bit about his company. And then we also have Lenny Iorio, who's in media as well, and is also the head of membership development here with the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, Sam. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, what's up? Hey, my pleasure. Now, hey, Doug, why don't you tell the folks, the listeners, that may have not heard you last time, a little bit about you and your company. My my company is designed to provide data and infrastructure to local political committees, very simply, right? Uh My job is to enable a lot of the great work that Lenny here is doing, uh, because at the end of the day, he's taken it upon himself to build out committees, uh, you know, in Allegheny County, but in also other parts of the state. And, you know, I see my company's job as one that enables him to do that to a certain degree. Now, Lenny, why don't you tell us about your, about, a little about yourself? I mean, you're a 25-plus-year veteran, you know, of the Pittsburgh media industry. I worked in the building we're standing in right now for oh, wow. six months, uh, back the DVE years. Um, yeah, I started at KDK Radio in 1997. Uh, been in the media business now for 20, what, 25, 26 years. Um, I got involved in politics during Tony Moreno's campaign uh, when my former high school uh, classmate Bill Peduto famously said, uh, if you don't like the homeless problem and the open drug use, shop at the malls. He was our student class president at Chartres Valley in 1983. I graduated <laughs> high school with him. Oh, and that is when I was motivated to get involved in politics. So I thought that uh, the work that I could do to help build the committees in Allegheny County and the work that I could do helping candidates get across the finish line with the marketing uh, was the w- best way I could serve. And that's what I've been doing since uh, I became a committee man in May. Okay. So almost a year now. Well, you know what, for folks, I mean, you're listening to us on the radio, so you can't see us, you know, uh, and and what we look like here. But uh, just picture Johnny Fever from WKRP. And you got a close approximation of our man, man, Lenny Arroyo here. Johnny Fever. I loved him. He he fits right in. He fits right in behind the mic. You know, all he needs is a turntable in front of him, and he is ready to rock and roll. I'm feeling it. But, no, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what we try to do on this show is to sort of educate the public and talk to our listeners about, uh, you know, politics here in general and some of the challenges you're involved in being Republicans or, you know, anyone else in Allegheny County, which has a more than two-to-one Democrat to Republican registration advantage, okay? Um and you, you mentioned here, Len, that your motivation to join was when you listened to Bill Peduto. You know, and uh, Mayor Peduto was such a disappointment for the city of Pittsburgh and, and for many of us in Allegheny County. I mean, um, the, his predecessor, Luke Ravenstall, you know, Luke came out of a deal that was made in, county, in city council, you know, when uh, Mayor O'Connor passed away and they elected him and, you know, he was the youngest mayor in the country, right, was running around. Uh, but, boy, things, you know, things went south after that. Who because, would have, yeah, who would have thought we would have looked back and said, boy, I'd long for the days of Ravenstall. Well, some folks <laughs> do. here but we are. Look, he, he didn't show up for work. You know, I would talk to the county <laughs> executive and others that would talk about meetings scheduled with the mayor or the mayor's office at 10 o'clock in the morning. You have six people sitting around a table and no one from the mayor's office there. Well, him not just there. avoid things, right? Yo, when uh, you avoid uh, the yeah. conversation, you don't actually have to make. Well, decisions. the mayor of Pittsburgh is supposed to be its biggest cheerleader. So, the mayor of Pittsburgh, in my opinion, is responsible for public safety, public works, and selling the city to, to potential businesses, uh, promoting the city, and having people from the suburbs come there and spend their money and be taxed on that money. That's what that's what his job is. And I don't see that. I don't see anybody trying to drive me down to the city of Pittsburgh. I have, well, it's just, I, I don't, I, it's such a disconnect since 
10 years ago even. Well, that's where we're going with this, right? So you had Peduto, who you know was a disappointment because he uh, didn't allow the police to do their jobs. He encouraged the homelessness and the things we have on our street, the aggressive panhandling and things like that. Did nothing to stop it. Crime started to rise, okay? And, I mean, he just, uh, instead of growing in the office, I think he actually shrunk. You know, you had the protesters in the last couple of years he was in the office, and they were going out to his home, and he was, you know, in his home. And instead of coming out and facing them and saying, hey, I have an office on Grand Street. You know, you're welcome to come down and talk to me there, but you're not welcome to come out and disrupt the lives of all these people that live in these neighborhoods, okay? Um, just didn't know how to handle things. And and I think that showed and bit him when he was uh, was not reelected in what we now have in when Ed Ganey won, okay, well, back in 2021. It's a consistent outcome. The challenge is, you know, these people, particularly with their policies, they create a mess, and then once the mess is in their midst, they don't know how to solve the problem because the problem should have been solved with the lack of policy positions that were taking either in the previous administration or vice versa. So you go downtown now. Uh, we were just downtown last week, went to a, an event that was probably three blocks from where we had parked. It is a completely different place now than it was even five years ago, right? That is a symptom of failed policy. And so when you extrapolate liberal policy, particularly in city governments, over a 10-year period of time, it's a snowball effect. There wasn't a switch that was flipped that created all these problems. They were created over a very long, extended period of time of bad policy. Does that make sense? No, it it absolutely makes sense. And that's the whole point here. One of the things, disappointing things, um, we just had special elections last week in Allegheny County for three House districts, okay, which cemented Democrats' majority control in Harrisburg for this session of the legislature. And, you know, I, I'm out on Twitter. Uh, sometimes I like dabbling and delving into that. You know, it's the wild, wild west out there, <laughs> right, with all the nuts out there. It's certainly a liberal website. And you see all the folks uh, celebrating and carrying on. But those districts were never, you know, I, I were never really what we felt optimistic in winning, Okay. And I say that, I mean, one, I want to thank our candidates who graciously stepped up and ran in those districts. But the odds were stacked so much against them. In the November 22 election, we didn't even field general election candidates in two of those districts because the registration disadvantage is so overwhelming. Let me give you a sample of that. In House District 34, that was the district that Robert Pagani ran in. There are 35,832 registered Democrats in that district, only 6,208 Republicans, okay? In, in District 35, you know, which where Don Nevels ran in, there are 27,309 registered Democrats, only 9,771 registered Republicans. In 32, where Clayton Walker ran, there are 20, 27,977, basically 28,000 registered Democrats and only 12,315 registered Republicans, okay? So the odds were stacked so much against these gentlemen. And then when you factor in the fact of mail-in ballots, and we'll talk more about that here, but everyone that voted by mail in 2022 from those districts was automatically mailed a ballot for that special election. Being that the Republicans in Allegheny County had only requested countywide 14.9% of the mail-in ballot that were approved, I mean, ballots were sent out to the folks in those districts, which were overwhelmingly Democrat. So when the mail-in ballot results dropped that night before the election day vote was even in, you know, the story it was, was foretold. That, it was over. Right, right. It was over. You know, now, that just is a, a, a vivid example of our challenge, okay? But by no means is that an indication of what we can and can't do as Republicans in Allegheny County. Right. And there, and there you know, we, we could talk about all the, all the problems, real and perceived, but the reason that I'm here is to talk about building the committee and, you know, just a few of the things that you talked about. Uh, you know, how outnumbered we were in those regions. But if we had a full committee in all those areas, 
if we had a full committee in Allegheny County, we could have we have we would have had more resources to bear. We could have put resources from Swickley and Heidelberg and Carnegie to work in those districts because we'd have 2,700 people on the ground. We could have gone in there overtime for two weeks, and maybe we could have we could have won one of them. Maybe we could have convinced enough Republicans to show where we could have just. I beat him at the polls so bad that we won one or two of those races. So, you know, for me, I know it sounds simple, and, and these races are hard to win even with a full committee. But if we could get some of these races just to close the gap a little bit, to bring in the county or to bring in the state in some of these state races, it all comes down to having boots on the ground, and we need the committee people. We have 2,000 empty seats right now for anyone that wants to get involved in starting to change the direction of the country. Uh, And we have a plan in place to put those people to work. And it's not a lot of work. If you can go to a monthly meeting and uh, do a few things around, you know, the week of Election Day, um, we'll be glad to have you, you know. Well, I'm going to bring Doug in because I want to tie this into what we're saying, right? In those districts where our registration disadvantage is so great, Right, all the problems that those people have in those districts, none of those, none of those problems can be traced to Republican, you know, or, or Republican management or governance. Right. Right. I mean, and you know, Einstein said the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over again, and expect a different result. So, Doug, you talked about the failure of policies here in the city, and we'll talk more about that. But do you want to elaborate on, you know, potentially? the failure of either us not having enough members of a committee or not having the resources to be able to get the message out to be able to tell people what our policies would be and how they may benefit them and their families. Well, let's start with committee building. You know, this is not a silver bullet type situation, right? There isn't one thing we can point at to say, if we just did this one thing better, then all of our hopes and dreams would come true. But there are four or five key things that we need to do. Lenny's working on one piece of that equation. I'm working on another piece of that equation. There Mm -hmm. are several others. But if we can get incrementally better at each of these disciplines, at each of these things, that's what's going to create a winning scenario for us in the relative short term. And by relative short term, I mean in the next two, three, four years. But particularly important is going into the presidential. Now, talking about liberal policy at the local level and starting to get some acceptance in terms of you know, how people vote impacts the policies that are put in place, which in turn forms the reality that you live in every day. Right. The challenge is we need to give people the out that they need to look themselves in the mirror, accept some responsibility for their voting behaviors and the subsequent impact that has on the realities that they live in. Right. And provide them with an avenue to change course. And that's why the precinct project is so important, because when we talk about voter outreach as a discipline, one of the keys is to not criticize people for their behavior in the past. We want to be a group that is welcoming to change. And when we can do that, when we can connect with voters, particularly Democrats who are not necessarily uh, prescribed to their subscribed to this uh, this far left agenda, uh, you know, and we generally know what topics it's the social liberal type stuff. So we're talking about union Democrats, people that, you know, grew up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s that see the world very similarly to the way a weak Republican sees it, when we can reconnect with those people and bring them around to our way of thinking, that's how we're going to see a massive amount of attrition to the Democratic Party and have a whole bunch of people flip over to our side. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I know that all of us in this room you know, are dedicated to trying to achieve it. So you know, as you pointed out, look, um, you talk about people, process, and technology being the key underpinnings of any successful you know, business or uh, enterprise or initiative. And, and Len, you were talking about the committee members. Why don't you explain to some of our folks what serving or being a committee member actually is? Well, I can, I can give you the example of my committee in Heidelberg. Uh, it's a small committee. It's one voting district. It's 1,000 voters. Uh, about 290 of which are Republican. 
we had a, a committee man there, but he, but he was also a councilman, and he's a fantastic councilman. Uh, so I ran against him as the committee man, and I won. So now we work together. He's part of the committee uh, still. And what we did was we just we got our voter list. We went to our likely voters, and we sent out a mailer explaining to them that we were going to start a monthly meeting, that we had just started, a, thanks to Doug Jones and getelected.org. We had a website, and he even uh, was kind enough to put a Facebook page together for me. Um, something I probably could have done, but I didn't have the time to do it, so I appreciate that. And the next thing you know, we had Facebook followers, and we had uh, you know people giving us their email address and showing up to the um, showing up to the meetings. So then on election day, we had a tent or a table and American flags, and we set up a a, a spot. We were passing out free copies of the Constitution. And asking people to give us their name and, and email address so we could save the money and not have to send them a letter. Well, that was uh, that work started in July, I would say, of last year. We now have 30 people that have come to come to one or more of our meetings. So my email list went from zero of two two ninety five to thirty of two ninety five, um, and it just continues to grow. So it's just a matter of doing the work and it costs you know a little bit of money a couple hundred dollars to send out the mailers but you've got to be you've got being there on election day is is critical that's when you're going to meet your super voters and you know grab their information when you can and invite them to the next meeting i had a lady bring her three ask if she could bring her three kids mm-hmm. she brought an eight-month-old a 16-year-old and an eight-year-old and the 16-year-old wanted to know how to get involved in the committee. That's great news. Yeah, I, I was ecstatic. Yes. I was like, we've talked to us in two years and you're in. So you never know what you're going to find at, uh, you know, at, the, at the polls. But we need people doing that work. It doesn't take that much. You work. I, I take a day off on the primary and the general election, and I work the polls for 13 hours. And it's a brutal day, but I shake hands and kiss babies and meet the people in my neighborhood that are going to vote for my candidates. And it's just a no-brainer, but it's not being done. Well, what folks need to understand is when you're a committee person, you are the representative for that Republican Party or Democrat Party, whatever party it is. You're the face. You're the representative of the party for your precinct, okay? So it's your job to try to take and get help get information to those folks. It's your job to try to understand what the issues or concerns in that community are and then bubble them up to the party at large so that they can understand and take those into account when they try to develop policies. Well, then you see the results. I mean, in 2018, before we really had a committee in Heidelberg, we had 182 total votes for a Republican candidate. That was the highest number of votes we had. This year, Jeremy Schaefer got 245. So we went from 182 to 245. And there's no question that that was because the Saturday before the election, we went around, we had 10 people agree to go hang uh, literature off someone's front door. We didn't knock on doors. We didn't talk to anybody. We just went and we picked out all the independent homes and all the Republican homes, and we hit them all. And it went from 182 to 245. And I mean, that's, that, that's documentable results, that if these strategies are put in place, we can start to win races. If all the 1,326 voting districts did this, we'd win more races. A I lot think we more. get a lot more volunteers, too, with the right infrastructure in place. I mean, Le- Lenny's very complimentary to me, but at the same time, he was my first customer. Mm-hmm. Lenny was the first one to look at what I was doing and say, wow, all right, we have something here. And so he's actually been instrumental in helping me design what has ultimately become a precinct committee person enablement infrastructure. And so the reason that's relevant is that when we look to attract new volunteers to take over some responsibility for the Republican Party in their precinct, it's important to know that when you go into this, you're not going into it without a plan, without a strategy. You're going to have tools and resources, and you're not going to have to sit there and wonder, okay, I've got 900 voters in my precinct. How do I reach them? What specific actions do I need to take in order to do my job as a precinct committee man? Mm -hmm. That's already been figured out for you. So all we need is someone to execute a predefined strategy. And because the guesswork's gone, our hope is that more and more people will start to get involved. Well, and and that's my hope as well. And I think one of the things I want to make clear to folks, we don't want to scare you, okay? But there are a lot of ways for you to get involved and a lot of ways to help. I mean, there are some people, they love knocking on doors. They like meeting new people. Great, so we can use you doing that. 
There's some people that say, I, I'm absolutely not going to go out and walk doors and climb stairs. That's okay. Can you make phone calls? You know, can you, can you write letters? postcards? Okay. Can you fill envelopes. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways for you to get involved to make a difference. Now, Len, you were talking a little bit earlier. You were talking about election day. Okay. Well, we really don't have election day anymore. We have election season. Correct. Okay? So it's almost two months. You have 50 days. And this is one of the challenges that I have as a county chair is trying to take and convince Republicans and Republican-leaning independents out here to adopt early voting, you know, and early voting by mail, okay? Because that's what we have available to us at this time, you know, in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> but the, the need is there because what happens is you, you, you look at Republican and Democrat outlooks on things, and this all goes back to 2020. With the pandemic, you know, um, Democrats, you know, they believed, and to some extent with the original coronavirus, you know, as we were trying to seek ways to treat it and things of that nature, you know, uh, it it was deadly. People were dying, right? So these folks embraced the, you know, quarantining, staying at home, wearing the mask, the whole bit. So they embraced mail-in voting because it was a way for them to vote and not come out in public, okay? Republicans, on the other hand, after the initial shock wore off, were like, wait a minute, you know, I, I, we, we need to reopen our businesses. We need to reopen our schools. We need to get back. So they were much more prone to getting out there, you know, and, and, and facing the thing. Well, what happened was the way the law was passed, Act 77, when you signed up or you voted by mail, you automatically get mail-in ballots sent out to you. So what happens is every year is our the opposition party convinces their people to vote by mail, early vote by mail, right? The county then, it's at the taxpayer's expense, it's not the party's expense, sends out applications to them each successive year, reminding them that there's an election, you know, they'll get their ballot and they can return it. So what's happened is if you go back and you track the turnout of our elections over the last couple of years, turnout has increased in both the primaries and the general elections. Now, I did an interview uh, on Thursday with the, the Tribune Review and Ryan Dito, who was asking me specifically about the turnout. And I was telling them that I thought it was a fact, you know, twofold factor. One, with the mail-in voting, it made it easier for folks to vote, and thereby they got more out. And then two, obviously I believe we're a little bit more polarized, you know, than, than we have been. And I mean, folks will talk all the time, they'll say, oh, it's never been this bad. And then someone will point out what John Adams and Thomas Jefferson used to say about each other, right? But the, the point is there is that more and more folks are voting today and we need to keep up and get ahead if we hope to win. And, you know, when I say like Vince Lombardi, winning is everything, okay? It's because if you don't win, you can't govern. That's right. Yeah, anybody that watched the early returns from the last November election and saw us down 90-10, 80-20, I'm not sure what else they have to see other than that to realize we need to get our unlikely voters to fill out an application yep. and send in a mail-in ballot. That's it. That's the answer, period. Well, unlikely, you mean low propensity. The low votes propensity, that don't come all yeah. The time. yeah. Un okay. Unlikely or low propensity voters need to have that filled out, and uh, we need to reach out to them as committee members and, and, and ask them kindly to fill it out and mail it in. And that's, where, that's one of the other things, you know, one of the importance of getting a committee in all the 130 municipalities in Allegheny County is the ability just to do basic things like, how about putting up yard signs at the polls on election day? You know, I get calls from folks that say, hey, I'm going to vote here, and there are not, no yard signs out there. And that, those are in areas where we don't have, you know, committees. Now, you know, as, as we look to, to grow here and we look to move forward, certainly in areas when it comes to contacting the voters, whether it be door knocking, phone calls, and things of that nature, we'll take and lean on the committees that we do have to try to generate some manpower and volunteers for that. But it would be helpful to have committees in those communities where you know what your issues are. You know the things that are important to you. And they're all different. Every, mm -hmm. every community is different. And they'll have different priorities. And then, of course, some of them will be, will be the same priorities. Um, you know, the good news is, and you had mentioned it before, uh, we've increased um, committee membership by 40%. Mm -hmm. 
just since roughly May through June, or May or June through today. Uh, so things are going in the right direction, but we uh, we need good people. I mean, if you want to make a change, get in contact with the RCAC. They'll put you in touch with me, and we'll take it from there. Well, we need good people, and we need good candidates. Yeah, and that's where the candidates come from, too. Okay. They come from good committee people that want to run. Well, exactly. And I, I try to tell folks, I, and I send this out in our, in our uh, newsletters and things of that nature, I'm happy to make calls and speak to prospective candidates, okay? But it's the people in that community who know who the leaders are in that community. It's right. the, the folks that live there that know who people look to when they're looking for advice on something of that nature. So, hey, folks. This has been a great first segment. We're going to be back in the second segment right after this break. This is Sam DeMarco from The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. So we were just talking in the first segment about a number of things. We were talking about committees and how to build committees or the need to build committees because they're the ones that can tell you what's important in that community that can help us take and take policy positions on the things that we we feel are best suited you know, to serve that community. And uh, as we start to talk about this now, I just mentioned right before the break the need for good candidates. And candidates front come from the community. Those are people that people look to, you know, for leadership in that community. Now, some of those folks are business leaders. Some of those folks are, you know, athletic. They may be coaches. It may be uh, teachers. It may be, uh, you know, scout leaders. But just the people that the community looks to, you know, for leadership on issues and things of that nature. And, and those folks, they make tremendous, you know, candidates and and I can tell you firsthand from uh, serving on Allegheny County Council for the last seven plus years, you know, yes, it can take some time. It's time consuming and, you know, it has its downsides, right? When you're fighting with folks who don't necessarily, you know, have your viewpoint. But at the same time, I can tell you that when you can make a difference in someone's life, there is no better feeling in the world. And, you know, as folks live in a community and hope for their children and their grandchildren to, to live near them. What better way to help ensure that by taking and helping build and ensure that your community prospers? So we need to get folks involved. Well, you know, we t- I always ask somebody what, what their why is. And what is, what is your why for getting involved? And my why was, you know, it was a, a number of things, but the Bill Peduto comment, I don't want my kids to grow up in a world where the mayor tells people to stay away. You know, that's just nonsense. So that's just one example. I've got a, a new prospect, in, a local prospect. I'm going to give a shout-out to Vince, who I'm meeting with tonight at 730. Uh, he's, he's got a disabled daughter, and he's terrified of the one-payer system and the fact that his daughter may not get the care that, you know, that she needs. Everybody's got a why, and and it's important. If they don't, then then I I'm a little, uh, you know, I, I'm afraid, you know, right. that, that the, their why is for themselves and not for somebody else. But I definitely got involved because I don't want my kids to grow up in a society that's going in, on the track that I see it going right now. You know, so you that's actually, a powerful thing. Sorry, Lenny. No, go ahead. Um, I. I you brought up candidates and attracting good candidates. And I think this is a great time of year to have that conversation because, you know, Pennsylvania has approximately 2,200 open school board seats, uh, you know, across the state. And you know, finding great candidates to run for an important role like that is becoming exceedingly difficult for mm-hmm. Republicans. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. But I mean, I can only speak to my own personal experience. I ran as a school board candidate in 2021. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But it had nothing to do with running the campaign itself, or even the job. It was just the sheer visceral that you experience from people who disagree with you in those types of roles. I mean, I was uh, I ran on a position that I didn't like uh, masking at school. 
Um, and I had two kids. My son was in sixth grade at the time. My daughter was entering kindergarten. And I just couldn't stomach the idea that they were yet again going to spend another school year wearing masks every day based on some arbitrary rule that was created by someone who clearly wasn't looking at the science. Right. And right? now we know that the science says masking doesn't matter. Correct. Right? So hindsight's always twenty twenty, and much of what I ran on was validated. But at the end of the day, in that district, uh, there's a big... Uh, financial crunch as far as this new school that they want to build and that was the catalyst for being called some of the cruelest things that i've ever been called well, I, mean, you're a I was conspiracy theorist i was, I was called a hat, right? yeah i was called a clown i was called a sideshow freak i was called a QAnon extremist <laughs> uh virtually every word you can think of to describe you know from the left's perspective at least a a, a hardened Republican uh, was used against me. And what's ironic about it is I'm the most moderate, mild guy imaginable. And so, but, but really, and it's funny because I actually have a book that I wrote that's coming out about this very topic. It has to do with uh, political moderacy and how those things can impact local elections. Uh, but I do it within the context of my experience as a school board candidate. And the reason I bring that up is because the tipping point for me was on September 25th of 2021. I was sitting outside of my house on my front porch and my, at the time, six-year-old daughter was playing in the front yard and, and somebody drove past my house and screamed at my daughter that she was being abused by me. But they used more expletives than I can probably repeat here. Um, so I ran down and I tried to get a look at the guy's license plate and I missed it. But that experience was driven by these groups that exist in localities to exact some sort of policy position. So there's a group in my town that's, that is responsible for encouraging people to behave in that way towards small children. And to me, it's completely insane to take that type of approach. Lenny has experience dealing with these types of problems too, but the fact of the matter is when you run as a candidate for something like school board, you have to be prepared for people to treat you unfairly, particularly people that disagree with you. And it's not a debate. You're not going to get an opportunity to discuss ideas. Does that well, make it's sense? a shame because it, it scares people away. Yes. I mean, I'll tell you right now, one of the reasons that I'm working on the development uh, of the committee is because I will never run for anything other than committee man in my area. And for the reasons you just explained, I don't want to go, I don't want to have to go through that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not old, but 57 years old, I'm good. I don't need people screaming at me, you know, or, or taking a, throwing eggs at my car on the, on the way by. Uh, I, I just, but, and, and, and that it keeps people away. Um, but, but here's the thing, Len, here, here, this is what's important to know. <clears throat> okay. When you, if you're not taking fire, you're not over the target. Right. Okay. The fact that people are coming out and they're being so rude or ignorant and coming from the tolerant left, right? And the fact that they're doing that shows that you're hitting a nerve, right? And if we don't step up and we don't run, then we're allowing them, you know, to govern us. And, and we can see by what's happening in the schools with whether it's, CRT, whether it's gender therapy or theory, or whether, you know, uh, you saw with the AP courses that, you know, that uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just rejected. This is the stuff that's going on. If you don't take it on yourself to run, right, and to serve, then what happens is it allows these folks to be in charge. And I met Tammy Bruce, a Fox News contributor, a number of years ago, back in like 2011. When I was the president of Veterans of Patriots United, she came out for an event. She's a former member of the left. And she talked about they do all this on purpose because they want good people to be repulsed by the behavior and the activities because it forces, it causes many good people to withdraw. And when, when you withdraw, it le they fill that vacuum. Or in okay? my case, find another way to <laughs> right. serve. Uh, you know, without, having yeah, to, well, without having yeah. to run for we higher all, office. We all have our, our way to serve. Yeah, that's but what, me. what I tell folks is, hey, what did your parents tell you when you were growing up? They said, sticks well, a lot and of stones. Things, well, yeah, I was going to say a lot of things they don't pay right, attention hey, to yeah, anymore. But sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt that's you. That's the number one. Listen, one I can that tell I you, uh, you know, being the county chair, being the at large on county council, you know, going out and helping campaign for candidates, 
I don't think there's anything that a human being can be called that I haven't been called. <laughs> okay. I mean, I have folks who come down to county council and they say they state, you know, get up and state these things and they're glaring at you. Like, well, dude, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. You have people in <clears> your <throat> own party that's, you know, that oh, scream yeah. at each other. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, but, but, but when you believe that you're right and you're doing it for the right reasons, yep. right? That's, that gives you the, the energy and that gives you the ability to just forge ahead and continue to move forward knowing that, hey, you're doing what's best for your community and for the residents of it and that they'll be better for it. You well, know? it's true. I just read, I just read somewhere. Uh, it was actually a tweet, and I can't remember who, who sent the tweet. But they get uh, direct messages a lot saying, hey, I really appreciate what the things that you say on Twitter, mm-hmm. but – you know, I can't comment because I'm, I'm afraid. And he said, you know, I really don't appreciate that. You know, your cowardice is one of the reasons, one of the things that got us where we are today. And people do need to speak up. Now, I'm not going to ever run for anything higher than committee man. But if anybody's ever followed me on Facebook, I think you'll agree. I am not afraid to speak up. And I'm not afraid to speak up in in, in person to someone either. And I think as a party... We need to be more that way. We need to have a larger voice in social media. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of our Republicans that say you shouldn't be on Facebook and Twitter. That's the worst advice ever. Our voices need to be there now more than ever. And they need to be loud voices and thoughtful voices, not screaming at but, people. But let me add something to that, though, because I think there is an element of strategy, particularly when you talk about it from a candidate's perspective. Stay out of the comments is probably the best advice for a candidate. You, for a candidate, yes, right? absolutely. Uh, so there's no reason, there's no benefit to engage in a written record with somebody whose job is literally to discourage you from standing <laughs> up for your point of view, right? There are people that do this. Not, I wouldn't necessarily say professionally, although I'm sure that's true yeah, to a degree. They seem professional. Uh, yeah, they seem professional. But at the end of the day, some of the things that get said in Facebook comments are so completely absurd that there's no way a reasonable, rational person is going to look at that exchange and say you're you the candidate are the problem right but at the end of the day if you stay out of the comments and just work your social media strategy as from the approach of i'm going to run the most positive campaign possible i'm going to talk about the issues i'm going to talk about how i can help i'm going to talk about how these incumbents that are that are going to be sitting on the school board regardless of whether i win or not here's my strategy to work with them to achieve our common goals rather than trying to take an adversarial approach with people who are literally trying to draw you into a fight. And, and you, you know, you hit on something when you talk about social media and Doug this is what you're talking about. Um, there, there's, I call them keyboard warriors. Okay. You know, there are so many people out there that will say things on social media that they would never say to you, <laughs> to your face. Okay. 100%. And, and I think that, you know, folks should, take and reconsider before they post something is whether they'd be willing to say that to somebody, right? You know, Mike Tyson said, a, you know, once said, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, okay? Uh, some of these folks, you know, boy, you certainly wish you could reach through the, the Oh, thing. yeah. But, but while I agree with you about us having to have a presence on social media, I would just, and I agree with Doug, we need to be cognizant that, yes, you want to have a presence on it, but social media doesn't elect anybody, okay? So, you know, you have to actually get involved. You actually have to talk to voters. You have to knock on a door, make a phone call, hand someone a piece of literature at the polls, right, to really make a difference. Because winning the argument on social media, on Facebook, you know, doesn't take and get the policies that you're espousing, you know, enacted only by electing a representative it just ca- it cuts policies. down that echo chamber yep. from the left, though, is what I'm trying yep. to say. It kind of balances <clears throat> things out a little bit so that the casual observer of social media doesn't go, well, the majority of people feel this way, so this way must be right. Well, that's you God, help, the, God you, help us. You hit the nail on the head. A wise man once told me, never argue with a liberal. He said, unless, <laughs> unless somebody is there watching or observing, okay? Because you don't want to go the lies or misrepresentations or things to go unchallenged. But at the same time, you're never going to change their mind, the liberal's mind. 
Oh, I've right. seen it all. <clears throat> but Moving you can help educate others. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, changing topics and going off on tangents. And it, it's really, somebody should do a, a college class on it, really, and look at some of these. Engineering the way, Narratives 101. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it I, mean, I mean, I have never seen somebody go into 10,000 different tangents as I have someone on social media in some of these cases. And never really want to stay back to the point, the valid point that you made. So you just don't engage. That's the way I found it. We're not going to change those minds. They can have their day on social media. We need to change the minds of the common people that think there's something wrong here. Mm -hmm. Something doesn't smell right. You know, and we got to spend our time with them. Well, what happens is, again... Democrats are great at coming out and speaking in pl- the left. Let me say the left, okay? Yeah, the hard the, the left, hard, especially. Right, right. Not, the hard not, yeah, social. Because we got a lot of great, we got a lot of very good, yeah. very patriotic Democrats out 100%, there. So, yes. The hard left, right? Anyone that thinks 10-year-olds <laughs> should have gender reassignment. Yes. That's, okay, just, those, that's, those that are that's, that's, that's the list right there. But what happens is their politicians tend to come out and you know they speak in platitudes about things that everyone will be, oh, equity, you know, mm-hmm. diversity, inclusion uh, well, who would be against these things but it's the policies they put in place that are so damaging you know you have a mayor we currently have the mayor today ed ganey who every time there's a critical incident there's a shooting or something happens comes out and screams you know preaches like from the pulpit never again not again but yet won't institute the policies and he has they can actually a can actually provide safety or can't they have a meeting you know, like they've had 10 meetings since he took over office, on the, all on the same topic of safety, and still not a police officer has been hired. Not one. Yeah. So you tell me. I mean, this is not rocket science. Well, I mean, this, if I were giving the mayor advice, and I've requested meetings, he just doesn't respond, okay? But if I were giving the mayor advice, I would tell him, there are two things you can do. One, your job is to provide for the public safety of the people. And then you should be working with the superintendent of the Pittsburgh Public Schools to provide for a quality education for these kids. Pittsburgh Public Schools, currently they're down to 21,407 students. They have a budget of $675 million. They spend $31,400 per student, okay? And yet, and now listen to this, the the, the K to 12, the student to teacher ratio is 12 to 1. Meaning for every 12 students, there's a teacher, okay? Now, but according to state test scores, only 31% of students are proficient in math and only 49% in reading. We just had a shooting outside Westinghouse Academy earlier this week, okay? Westinghouse Academy has 704 students in grades 6 to 12 with a student-to-teacher ratio of 11 to 1. Now, according to state test scores, only 9% of those students are proficient in math and 22% in reading. Right. So what are we doing to help educate the kids in school? Right. We should be teaching them reading and math and history and not so much of gender theory and critical race theory and all these other well, things. Well, it's apparently right? the Republicans' fault that all this has happened. Well, that's because they, they haven't had a Democrat, excuse me, a Republican mayor <laughs> but that's since the, 1933. They keep electing Democrats. That's, right. that's the hilarity of the whole situation. Then the other part of it is public safety. We have these events taking place every day. Right. The mayor could certainly do something. He could take and free up the police to allow them to do their jobs. He could repeal the ordinance that city council passed that says you can't take and stop for minor traffic violations, okay? That's how they get a lot of these guns off the street. He would take and reinstitute stop and frisk. You know, in the south side, when we have folks packing the streets on the weekends over there, if these kids had to worry about potentially being stopped by officers and frisked, okay, uh, maybe they'd leave their illegal guns at home, okay? There's nothing not to worry them about. Down there. They there's, have nothing. Right. There's no place. There's no Schumann Center, so they can't put them anywhere. They're well, going to get right back out of the street. Getting to that, then you have our police zone commanders. Every commander of the of each of the zones in the city knows who the top 25 most violent offenders or the folks are in their zone. The mayor should be working, having the district attorney's office, the U.S. attorney's office, the FBI, and the whole bit doing a task force to go after those top 25 in each of those zones, okay? That addresses a lot of that issue, which is how do we get, you know, the the criminals, the folks who commit these crimes off the street, okay? Now, you pointed out something before. You talked about Schumann Center. You're absolutely right. When the state revoked the county's license a couple years ago, Schumann Center sent down, and we are in desperate need of a juvenile, or excuse me, a regional juvenile detention facility here in Allegheny County. And it's being worked on. 
an RFP was put out last year. Folks had responded uh, upon examination. Even if we were to give the building and the land, it's going to cost about $20 million to rehabilitate the facility to bring it up to, to speed. And we're currently in talks with the state, the courts, the judges, you know, to but you're going to see something happening there soon. You have to work with the DA's office to tell them not to plea down gun charges. If someone's out there committing a crime with a gun, don't allow that to be pled down. You know, hold them accountable. That's need- my biggest, what you just yep. said right there yep. is my biggest problem. If you want to get illegal guns off the street, if you commit a crime with a gun, you should have a minimum sentence. And I don't know if that sentence is 10 years or 20 years, but it needs to be substantial. Right. But it's the only thing that's going to stop it. And then we need to hold our judges accountable because so many of these crimes that are committed right here, the guy that killed and shot the young woman that was the Uber driver in Penn Hills, you know, he had been arrested on a gun violation, mm-hmm. gun charge, right? And why why is he still out doing that? The guy that shot five folks at Monroeville Mall a couple years ago, he was an Act 33 case, right? Was it was a juvenile that had been arrested on gun charges and had let back out. Even nationally, Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, out at Ross Park Mall, the guy that shot up Ross Park Mall had just been released a couple weeks before from house arrest by one of the county judges. So look, there is not not an easy answer to any of our problems. They're all complex. But I just laid out a number of them that if implemented would put a serious dent in the crimes that are taking place in the gun violence here in our region. The other thing that needs to be hap- happen is that we need to educate our citizens. The city of Pittsburgh says five guns are being stolen every single day. Majority of them are being stolen from cars. People are leaving their guns in the car. Folks, if you have a license to carry, take your gun back inside yeah, your house. Carry it. Right? Right? Yeah, or, or carry, carry it. it. Exactly. Right. Right. But see, part of the thing with the carry it, though, is I understand what some of the problems are. We have so many places that are designated as gun-free zones. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to this, if you come in from the suburbs and you go to the Steeler game, okay, and you're parking over on the North Shore, you can't take your gun. In, right. Into and that's one stadium, of the reasons right? that, that's the problem or for, for Benedim Center or any of these or other a things. game. Right. Or pay, but that's so. Th- these are some of the problems. But I think look, the first step to solving the problem is recognizing that we have one, mm-hmm. and then the challenge is associated with fixing it, right? But I, think but I don't hear this, those conversations taking place. All of this is, the problem that I have is all of these things that we just talked about that should be done are not being done in the name of social justice because it would be unjust to put these young black children in jail. And I ask, where is the justice for the families of those five kids that were shot at Westinghouse? Where's their justice? Right. Where's the justice for the Uber driver that was shot begging for her life? It's not a good reason to not enact these policies. Right. Criminals of any shape or form need to be dealt with the right way. And if it's a gun crime, they need to be put away, regardless how, of who they are. How often do we hear the folks on the left complaining about the folks in the jail? Right, never. Like they're the biggest problem that we have. And that I never hear any of them talking about the victims. You know, I don't see them over across the river there at the headquarters of the building with the Center for Victims over well, there. Right, but there's a reason to help for those that. folks. The reason is that in order to have that conversation, they have to take a hard look at the policies that they've enabled, right? Because there's a cause and effect that goes into this. The reality is when we talk about liberal policy, particularly as it relates to crime, right? Inaction is the best way to stay in popular favor amongst the electorate that supports those types of people, right? So it's funny because it goes back to something I've said repeatedly. I, I believe that, uh, wholeheartedly that you know the Republican Party is a sales organization with a marketing problem, right? And the Democrats are the exact inverse, right? They are a marketing, the best marketing organization on the planet. Absolutely. But when that box arrives in the mail, you are not going to like what's in it. <laughs> exactly. That's the deal, right? And so when we think about these types of issues, particularly as it relates to serious problems like crime, mm-hmm. right? Smooth Moving towards a solution forces these people to admit that they were wrong in the past, right? And that's why it doesn't get done. Well, what happens is the folks on the the left, okay, they inject things like race into discussions that really shouldn't even be there. For example, they'll talk about, well, you know, in traffic stops, uh, the majority of these traffic stops 
are on you know people of color, but yet uh, they only make up 13% of the population in Allegheny County, right? If you're a police department, where are you going to deploy your officers? You're going to deploy your officers in the higher crime areas, okay? Now, the higher crime areas aren't higher crime because someone is a person of color, but they're higher crime probably because a lot of cases, where that's where the poverty is. For a lot of reasons. Poverty, 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 right? right? Poverty is the reason for this, okay? But if you have more resources in that area because there's more crime, that's common sense. Of course. So when you, if you have more stops there, you know, then that's an indication that, you know, that you're trying to take and protect. But you're trying to use logic. You're trying to use logic to substantiate your point where logic just simply can't apply. Like a lot of these conversations and emotions, right? It's, It's feelings and emotions versus common sense and logic, right? So, when we try to accelerate your uh, your stats on uh, on schools, uh, particularly uh, in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. that's a good one, right? Because you're not going to be given the opportunity to tell someone who disagrees with you at a basic level all of those statistics that support your position. You get one or two sentences tops. And so you right. use feelings to try and connect with that person. So equity sells. Diversity yeah. sells. What you said is true. But it's hard to convey that message to someone who's closed-minded about it. Right. I mean, and folks are confused. I mean, we're, we're a country founded on equal opportunity, right? Mm. Folks don't understand that equity is something that well, these equal people treatment. De- 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 no, not equal treatment. Well, equal treatment, too. But they're demanding equal outcomes. No, right. you can't. Okay? Right. That's correct. And, 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 and that's what's wrong. Listen, th- th- this has been a tremendous conversation. I would like to bring you guys back and continue this. But what we're talking about here right now in this last say, quarter of, of, a, of the second segment here. This is a conversation that should be happening with our elected leaders in public downtown to try to address these problems. Why are we spending $31,000 a kid in the city of Pittsburgh Isn't to go to school? Isn't that Oh, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure it is. So the, they're spending more per child in the city of Pittsburgh than they are in Mount You Island. can go to college at many colleges for less than what they're spending there, all right? Criminal. Okay. Most of the uh, local private schools as well yep. are right in that range. Well, listen, this has been a fascinating discussion. I would love to continue it, but we got caught up, and we're running out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, this is Sam DeMarco signing off for The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Have a great weekend.